We'll go ahead and give our preschoolers a chance to head out this way. Uh, Miss Kelly and Miss Kathy have them. And then if I'm correct, our third, fourth, and fifth graders are going to head out this direction uh, with Miss Carly and her new team as well. I think Miss Katie is here. And then we've got Larry and Gail are going to join them and help lead our third, fourth, and fifth graders. And then Cadence has our packets for our first kindergarten, first and second. She's going to bring them over here so that you're not near the, the microphones. Not that we're worried about that, I'm just saying. So our preschoolers are heading out this way. Our third, fourth, and fifth graders are heading out that way. Miss Joy, the code word is humility. The code word is humility. So they're going to have the K1 and 2. Um, I'm, I'm super excited. I love there being a well-roundedness to, to what I see in, in our kids. Um, so this week, I think it was it was either Thursday, Laura, was it Thursday? The game Thursday? So I got to watch, um, where's Luke? Is Luke in here? No, Luke's right there. Like Mr. In the Park home run, Did I get, is that right? In the Park home run, Jake Sink got to pitch, I got to watch him catch, pitch, and slide into home. I watched a video of Noah Miller doing jujitsu, and now I'm a little scared of Noah. And then I, I know that Abby and Medley and several of the other girls were a part of this CPR class, and then all of a sudden I get to watch them up here singing, and I'm just so excited about what God is doing in and through us. Aren't you? I mean, God is at work, and I'm so privileged to be a part of it. And as we enter the summer, we're going to have opportunities for our children. We're going to have opportunities for our kids. I know that during the summer, especially with a lot of the states backing off of their COVID uh uh, whatever's uh, that people are going to be traveling. So let me just continue to remind you when you're here, please be here on Sunday morning. When you're here, please be involved. Uh, continue to give faithfully as you have been. Thank you so much for the way that you are allowing God to bless us through you as we continue to do ministry each and every week through First Baptist Indy Atlantic. So during the summer, when you're here, be here. When you're here, give faithfully. When you are somewhere else, be a blessing wherever you're going to go. If you wouldn't mind, I like to live vicariously through you. So make sure you're posting, you know, tell us where you're going so that I can tell Julie that other people went there. We can just hear about it when they get back. Um, just kidding, kind of. Um, but, you know, when you go somewhere, bless a church by, by being a part of their worship and, and, and getting to know them uh, and then come back with ideas and things like that. But all that is, is, is just going to be a great summer filled with opportunities. On June the 6th, June the 6th, uh, we are going to hold one of our encounter classes. What's an encounter class? The encounter class is an opportunity. A lot of people have questions about what God's doing at our church. They want to know what we believe, what we stand for. A lot of people have questions about church membership. What does it, what does it mean when you say, I'm going to become a member of First Baptist in Atlantic? So what we're going to do on June the 6th is we're going to have a lunch immediately following the service for all those that want to be a part of that class, learn more about the church, ask questions of me and our staff. What what we believe, what we stand for, where we're going, what our mission is. If you'd like to be a part of that, we will have a lunch. We'll also have child care. If you'll just let us know that you're coming, you can tell Karen. You can tell Laura's over here by the wall. Karen's uh, right here on the, on the front row. You can call the church office during the week. Just let us know that you want to be there so we have enough food and we make sure that your kids are taken care of as well. 
We're still in the 40 days of prayer, uh, and so I want to encourage you to, to keep praying at 2.20 every day as we continue to seek God and, and what he's doing. If you'll take your copy of God's Word, we're going to seek God together this morning. Turn to Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. Um, I have a little bit of a scratchy voice. I can hear it in and of myself. I've had a little bit of a cough. I do not have COVID again. I just have a little bit of a, of a cough that, that's kind of hit me. Uh, so nothing contagious. The doctor said I'm, I'm okay. Uh, just letting you know, if, if I, Davey, I'll kind of give you a sign or something that I'm getting ready to have a moment. Um, but don't, you know, avoid me. Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians, and you're going to go to chapter 11. If you're new to Bible study, Corinthians is to the right of the Gospels. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. After that, you have Acts, uh, you have Romans, and then you hit 1 Corinthians. If you hit 2 Corinthians uh, or Galatians or Ephesians, you've gone a little bit too far. If you're using one of the Bibles in the chairs around you, I think it's page 1018. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in just a minute, we're going to start reading with verse 17. If you've been with us for any portion of the spring, we've been journeying together through Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel is a gospel that is defined by urgency, it's defined by action, it's a gospel who portrays Jesus, uh, whose portrayal of Jesus is primarily that of a suffering servant. We've said several times, if there was a theme verse, a summary verse for Mark's gospel, it would be Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Would you read this out loud with me? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's read that again out loud and emphasize the term to the phrase to serve. Here we go. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you're watching online today, I want to let you know that in just a few moments, we're going to be participating in the Lord's Supper. So you might want to pause the video or come back to it or go grab some grape juice or some wafers or some crackers uh, so that you can participate as well. But today we're looking at this idea, for even the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Greek word is latron or litron, whatever pronunciation you see fit. It means a price for redemption, a price for redeeming. We translate it as the word ransom, which means that a sum of money or some other payment has been demanded. Some other payment has to be paid for the release of a prisoner. Jesus served as the ransom. Jesus served as the payment but you and I were or are the prisoners. Jesus paid for our, our release from sin. Jesus paid for our release from death. And that is the perfect reminder as we've taken the last two weeks, last week and this week, to focus on that ransom, that payment, as we observe the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. Last week's message was one of preparation. Uh, often we come to church and you walk in and, and the table's been pulled to the front. You see the trays that are sitting on it. They've got the wafers or the pita bread and then they've got the cup with the juice or, or the wine and the pastor preaches a, a sermon. We pass the elements. We sing a few songs. We take the elements. But we rarely prepare ourselves for all that the table truly represents. Number one. Christ's body. 
Christ's body that was crucified on the cross and then it was raised from the dead. Number two, Christ's blood that was shed for us, which allowed for the forgiveness of our sin. So we started preparing last week because my hope was for us to have this, this time where we could at least pause for just a moment so that we could most completely celebrate this incredible Savior as we observe this ordinance. With that said, if you're physically able, I would invite you to stand with us in the honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll be starting with verse 17. Now in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Indeed, it is necessary that there be factions among you, so that those who are approved may be recognized among you. When you come together then, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for at the meal each one eats his own supper. So one person is hungry while another gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I do not praise you in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I, what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined." so that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you gather together, you will not come unto judgment. I will give instructions about the other matters when I come. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase. And may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started, because we have been in your presence, we have heard your voice, and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As you're being seated, just to give you a little bit of a background, Paul's letters to the church at Corinth are two of the toughest letters you will read Paul having written. Uh, Philippians is all often known as the book of joy. It's a happy, happy, happy book. If you're happy, happy, happy. Okay. It's a happy book. It's an easy book to read. It's got four chapters and you just kind of fly through it because Paul is just encouraging. He's excited about what's going on in the Philippians. In the Corinthian church, in the church at Corinth, he is working with a church that is divided. It is hurting. It is misguided. It is prideful. And as he is using this letter basically to say, people, get it together. 
This is not how I found you. This is not how I left you. This is not what I taught you. This is not how I discipled you. You are better than this. You're too focused on on these personalities. You're too focused on these so-called leaders. You've taken your eyes off of Jesus and the truth that he taught, the truth that I taught you when I was with you. And that was only just a couple of years ago. I was with you a couple of years ago, and what what you have evolved into is this mess. Let's get it together, people. Look at right there at the first couple of verses we just read. Verse 17. Now, in giving this instruction, he's, he's just been writing to them to this point. Paul has just been writing to them about various worship practices. Now, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Ouch. I do not praise you since you did not come together for the better, but for the worse. Yikes. Not a happy thought so far. You see, Paul has, is going on these missionary journeys. If you look at this map, do we have a map? There's going to be a map up there in a moment. And Paul goes on these missionary journeys, and it's right around the Mediterranean Sea. And Paul goes on these missionary journeys, and he does a couple, of, there's two or three missionary journeys that Paul goes on. And you can see where the arrows are, and it's, it's upper Africa, but it's really in this, this European Asian place. And I wish I had my little dot thing, but I could go around, and you see Paul going around, and what he does is Paul goes to all these different places on this map. And he shares his own personal story that you can read in Acts chapter 9. You can read Paul's own personal story in Acts chapter 9. He talks about his story. He shares the gospel. He plants churches. He starts churches in all these different cities and these areas. And he establishes leadership within those churches. He raises up elders. He raises up teachers. He raises up pastors to take the leadership of these churches. And then he stays with them long enough to get them off and running. And then he leaves them in capable hands. He leaves them with the Timothys, with the Tituses, with the Epaphroditus's. And and then he, he gets them to start doing the Great Commission. He moves them to start making disciples. He gets them to start leading people to faith in Christ. He walks them, uh, walks them through life. He lives life with them. They build their relationship with God. They grow and they, and they develop in their understanding and then they become disciple makers and then Paul leaves and what he does is he makes plans to either revisit them or he writes them letters to keep the discipleship process going so he goes on these trips but he follows up continuously through the letters that we're writing so what's happened is Paul has left the church at Corinth and he has heard the reputation of the church and he's not happy with them I can't be proud of you. I don't like what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is not how I left you. What I'm hearing is not what I taught you. You're too prideful. You're too arrogant. You're concerned about the wrong things. He's accomplished launching these churches, and then he wants to revisit them with the hope that they're growing and they're becoming healthier and they're reaching the community that they're in. And he ain't happy with the church at Corinth. Keep reading. Verse 18. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And I believe it. And here's what's happening. Let me summarize the next couple of verses. 
Since the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, it became a regular practice to share meals together. That's how we know that the early church was Southern Baptist. <laughs> they shared meals together. Look, look with me, I'm going to put Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 on the board, on the screen. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Got to be really honest with you, really transparent with you. That is my daily prayer for First Baptist in the Atlantic, that God would bring revival here and that it might be our testimony. You think I was joking about having a thousand kids on the stage. I kind of was, but I wasn't at the same time. I'm ready for revival. I am praying for revival. I am praying for the day that we can look back and go, daily there was people being added to our fellowship because they were being saved. Because we were having that kind of impact in our community. The meals that they were having were an opportunity for fellowship. They were just being together. They were just sharing with those in need and they were demonstrating to those around who were not believers what it meant to be a follower of Christ. They would actually call these meals agape feasts or love feasts because the main point was to love one another. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The whole point of the dinner, the whole point of the meal was for the church to love on one another so that the world around them could see something different about them. The whole point of the meal was to see that people sharing what they had with one another to make sure that nobody in the church was going without so that the world around would go, what do they have that we don't have? Well, they had love one for, for another. And the meal would eventually culminate. They'd have the meal like you and I would eat a meal. And then they would come together. And at the end of the meal, they would observe the Lord's Supper. And in that, the whole event became an act of worship. The problem in Corinth, however, was that the feasts, these agape feasts, these love feasts were doing more harm than good. Cliques were forming within the church. Fellowship was not happening. People were not sharing. Um, the wealthy were not only not taking care of those in need, but they were lording it over them and shaming them for their place in life. So that by the time you got to the Lord's Supper table portion of the gathering, you're so far off course that everything has lost its meaning. Everything has lost its value. There is absolutely no testimony happening out of the church at Corinth because they're, they're running their own game. They're running their own show. And so what Paul is doing in verses 23 through 26 is he's reminding them why this exercise was implemented in the first place and what it's really supposed to accomplish. The ultimate purpose is to point people to Jesus. 
The ultimate purpose of observing the Lord's Supper as a faith family is to point people to the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, to provide the Holy Spirit with an opportunity to teach and remind people of all that Jesus did and all that he wants to do through his church, something that the church at Corinth has lost complete sight of. They have developed no vision, and it's a warning as well as an example to us not to lose sight of the ultimate purpose purpose for which we exist, which is to draw people, point people, lead people to Jesus. Keep reading, verse 27. Y'all, I'm really sorry. I sound awful. Like I am annoying myself. (laughs) But thank you for bearing with me. Verse 27 So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, Paul's warning here is not to those who are lost. There's going to be, there's some of you today who you are not a believer in Jesus. You're not a Christ follower and you're here. And let me just say, we're glad you are. You may be watching online today and you're not a Christ follower. You're just on this journey. You've got more questions than you've got answers. Join the club. And you're not there quite yet. Paul's not necessarily talking to you here. Who he's talking to are the people that are professing to be Christ followers. They're professing to follow Jesus and they're making a mockery by their behavior of what this table is supposed to represent. What this table is representing is sacred. This this table is representing something that is solemn. This table is representing something that is holy. When Paul writes the blood and the body of the Lord, the body and the blood of the Lord, he's he's taking people back to the crucifixion and all the events surrounding itself. Verse 28, let a person examine himself. The word examine here means to test and seek or find approval. It's allowing yourself the opportunity to ask yourself, am I in right standing with God? If I'm in right standing with God, am I also in right standing with the people around me? Is, is, is my mind and my heart fully in this moment? Does the Holy Spirit have the freedom right now to speak into my life? As I, as I hold this bread and as I hold this cup, are my heart and my mind completely fixed on Christ? Hebrews chapter 12. Are we fixed on Christ who is the author and the finisher of our faith? Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. In verses 29 through 32, God is disciplining those he loves. He's disciplining the church at Corinth for their behavior. He's not condemning them necessarily, but he's giving them a warning about condemnation. But he is disciplining them for their behavior. He is disciplining them for their action. He is revisiting the example that they're setting because he wants the example that they're setting for the world around them to point people to himself. And don't misunderstand. It says that some got weak and some got ill and some got sick. To the church at Corinth, that was God's discipline. But be reminded that when God disciplines us, he disciplines those he loves. Proverbs chapter three, verse 12, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. I do not love I never loved spanking my children. I didn't wake up in the morning going, I'm going to get them good today. There are days that they earned that. Not y'all, the other one. 
But I never woke up wanting to spank my children. But there were times where I had to discipline my children because I loved them. And it really wasn't until I was a parent that I understood that, that I was disciplining them because I loved them. And that is what God is doing with the church in Corinth. Their behavior is making a mockery of their testimony. Their behavior is giving the wrong signal to the world around them who Christ really is and what Christ really wants to do. Long story short, the Lord's table is all about humility. And as Joy goes to get some of our third, fourth, and fifth graders who have made a decision to follow Christ, and as Kyle and the instrumentalists come back up here, first and foremost, Christ was the ultimate example of humility. Just jot down in your notes Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Just, just jot that passage down. I, I know I've said that before because that's, that's one of my favorite passages. And we'll read a little bit portion of it in just a moment. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, that Christ was the ultimate example of humility. And the Lord's table is a humbling experience for us. It's humbling, number one, because it is that mixture of, of grief and joy. We... We grieve over our sin. We, we grieve over what our sin caused Christ. But we have this incredible joy because of what Christ did for us. We, we have this incredible joy because of the new life, because of the eternal life, because of the abundant life we have because of what he did. It's humbling, one, because it's that mixture of grief and joy. It's Humbling, number two, because it's, it's intended, it's meant to help us think outside of ourselves. Mark chapter 12, verse 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then that passage that I just referred to, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. In just a moment as, as, as we take this bread and we take this cup. I hope that you'll be reminded of all that Christ has done for you, but I challenge you to let the Holy Spirit bring to your mind and bring to your heart those in your sphere of influence who do not have a relationship with Jesus. Might be the men and women that you work with. Might be the moms and dads of the kids whose your kids play on their teams might be your classmates at school, might be your customers, might be your clients, might be your bosses, it might be your neighbors, it might be your own family. The, the list, we could create lists and categories and, of people that you and I interact with each day, but all those people have at least three things in common. Number one, God loves them. Number two, Christ died and rose again for them. And number three, as long as they have breath, his love and his life and his forgiveness are available to them and they can be saved. Everybody you know has three things in common. God loves them. 
Christ died for them. And as long as they have breath, that love, that life, that forgiveness is available to them. While the Lord, the Lord's Supper is intended to be observed by believers, it is also intended to be a testimony to everybody in, in hopes that others might see and hear about Christ's incredible love. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And it's with that idea that Katie Gallo, I want to ask if you would come and help serve the, the faith family. It's with that idea that Paul Reineke, I want to ask if you'll come and help serve the church family. Steve Millen, would you come and serve the body of Christ? Naomi Schroer, would you come? Would you serve the body of Christ? Before we serve, let me just say this. The Lord's Supper is meant for believers. If you or your child have not yet met, made a decision to follow Christ, if you'll just, just nobody's going to mock you, nobody's going to point you out. If you just do this, we'll pass you by. Great opportunity to teach your children that if this is for believers. But I also want you to know that today can be the day that, that, that you follow Christ. And, and, and you, don't, you don't have to wait. You can just talk to the Lord right where you are. Here's all you need to do. You need to understand that you're a sinner. That you make mistakes. You, you sin. You, you disobey God. You don't do the things that He's asking you to do. You do things that are contrary to His holiness. And the cost of that sin is death. You're going to die. But Jesus came. And Jesus was crucified on the cross. And Jesus rose again so that you could have forgiveness of sin and life eternal. And all you have to do is believe in your heart that He did that. And confess with your mouth that He's your Lord and Savior. And my Bible says, the Scripture says that you will be saved. Today could be your day of salvation. And we'd love nothing more than to talk with you about that. But as we worship together right now, we'll sing some songs. We're going to pass the elements. And we're going to celebrate the body and the blood of our Savior this morning. Night he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, what the church at Corinth had forgotten 
was they had forgotten all that Christ had done for them. They had forgotten that Jesus was the focal point. They had forgotten that the cross and the empty tomb were the story. They had inserted themselves way too far into the story. And it had become about them and more and more about them and less and less about the body and the blood. May it always be the testimony of First Baptist in the Atlantic that we lift Jesus high. May it always be about Jesus. And may everything that we say and everything that we do point people to the body that was crucified and the blood that was shed because of the new covenant and the new life that we have in him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the opportunity to remember and to celebrate. And we do ask that it be the testimony that you continue to equip and enable us to be your church. That we might have an impact on this community, that we might have an impact in our own families, that we might have an impact in every relationship that you've placed us to further the gospel, to further your name, to introduce people to you. May we never get in the way of that. Father, may the lives that we live, the things that we say and all that we do point people to Jesus because we ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.